you realize that we needed to meet donors where they spend time. You know, I don't spend a ton of time on the website, I spend a time in social networks. So our thesis is really, how do we meet people where they're at to make that gift? But maybe more importantly, using conversational messaging and channel, how do we cultivate you where you want to be so we can get you to take that next action? You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I am your hostess today and the lucky lady who gets to interview our guest, Nick Black. Now, Nick is with Good United, and he's going to tell us about what that company does in a moment. And he's also the founder of Stop Social Suicide, which is a nonprofit. So I invited him here today because everybody is asking questions about social giving. And either they're at the beginning or like somewhere in that journey. And so I'm hoping Nick can kind of coach us through it. Nick, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Nick Black. I got into nonprofit work through my uh, service in the military. Uh, I was a Ranger Qualified Officer in the 173rd Airborne. I did 27 months in Afghanistan. I lost more service members to suicide than to the enemy. So with that, I got out of the military, started a nonprofit called Stop Soldier Suicide. I uh, did every job at the organization, building it from the ground up. Today, there's 65 employees based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, with the mission to reduce veteran suicide to national average. But through that journey, uh, the one area that really uh, got me fired up was uh, donor activation and cultivation and really focused on the long tail. So today, seemingly most organizations only have the capacity to build relationships with the wealthiest donors. What would the world be like if we could leverage technology to take that experience that today is reserved for the wealthy and apply it to the average Joe and Joette? So we know that uh, philanthropy is big business, $482 billion given each year. The long tail of donors, people like you and I, give nine times as much as the wealthiest philanthropists and foundations. So Good United came about uh, from my experiences at Stop Sword of Suicide, founded in 2014, and with a mission to democratize nonprofit support experience. Along that way, we realized that in order to do that, we needed to meet donors where they spend time. So while I'm on the board of a nonprofit and I started uh, a board three and started one, you know, I don't spend a ton of time on their websites, I spend a time in social networks. Mm -hmm. So our thesis is really how do we meet people where they're at to make that gift? But maybe more importantly, using conversational messaging and channel, how do we cultivate you where you want to be so we can get you to take that next action? I 100% agree. And I always, um, coach people that all of the people that they have contact with, whether they're the people that they serve or the people that make donations have something that they can give. And we shouldn't sure. just overlook them because they want to be part of what you're doing. They believe in you probably more than anyone because they actually are recipients of the gift that you're giving. And I just feel like you're overlooking 
a huge opportunity when you're not talking to everyone in your audience. And it sounds like you're really opening the door for people to be able to do that better. Yeah, I appreciate that, Monica. We think that there's a whole new shift happening. We're calling it the third shift of giving. But essentially, what I believe that social fundraising represents is a new growth vertical for organizations to dive into, like they did with website and email 20, 30 years ago. Um, what we found working with the world's largest nonprofits is that their initial assumption was that they've already acquired these donors, right? They have massive tens of millions of emails in their house file. What we found is generally over 95% of people that are giving through social networks are net new. And I think this raises an important question. Why haven't we engaged them before? And what we're seeing is a general trend that people are spending more time in more niche places. Mm -hmm. Do you play video games by any chance? No, I don't. <laughs> right? So like, I can't fathom someone watching someone else play a video game online. I can't understand how someone will donate to watch other people play video games online. But that is a, you know, $100 million plus fundraising machine. And I bet you that those people don't want to follow up an email. And so what we're seeing is just a wild explosion of these niche audiences finding each other, whether in, you know, they're in certain application like Reddit or they're on Facebook, the meta Instagram. And I think nonprofits, we need to ask ourselves, how do we meet people where they're at and give them the opportunity to engage with us on their terms, not ours. Exactly. And that's why we can't just have this one silo marketing approach. We have to be finding people where they're at. And we can also recycle some of our messaging if it's appropriate across those different places and make sure that we're continuing this conversation with with everyone and in the way that they want to be spoken to. Because I, 100%. I am not going to be on Facebook looking for your group message. I'm not ever probably going to see it. I have to make a point to go out and look and then I'm frustrated um, and so I would love it if you would just email me, but I'm not everyone. And, and we have to like examine who our audience is to make sure that we are doing what they need us to do. So, yeah, the good news is I think, you know, oftentimes nonprofits seem to be fighting over their slice of the pie, but mm -hmm. I truly believe that the pie is large and it's growing and there's all new ways to engage with people. Uh, but the challenge set is unlike 20 years ago, where there's a pretty definitive lane of direct mail or email. There's a lot of new places to find people that could really care about what you do. So let's take a step back for a second because we're talking about social giving. I think that some people also call it social fundraising. I was just hoping that you could give us like this short overview of what that means. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the simplest point uh, would probably be defining a social network. So if you think of a social network like Facebook, Instagram, within a meta universe, TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Twitch, uh, Spotify, right? These are all social networks. The intent of those social networks is to keep people in platform, to engage them, to put some type of content in front of them that drives revenue. Uh, who has better stories than nonprofits? Not many people, right? So yeah. nonprofit content they create are wonderful and very impactful levers for the business model of these social networks. The social networks don't want you to leave. As such, they try to replicate a lot of functionality that you're looking for outside of it within their own channel. What we've seen since 2017 is philanthropy is an incredible lever to keep people engaged. So starting with Facebook, they allowed people to make a donation and start a fundraiser and also took away all transaction fees. So creating a seamless and frictionless experience to give. And from that, uh, they've accelerated over $6 billion given in platform, 
but other channels are coming online on online as well. Uh, do you know who Marshmallow is, the artist? Yes. So I didn't. We have a 20-year-old that works with us. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about Mr. Marshmallow. Okay. I was like, I don't believe there's a guy named Marshmallow, right? So he took me to Spotify, and Mr. Mellow was tied to his local food bank. You can make a donation through Spotify. So you can see that philanthropy is starting to spread, right? And it's being integrated in all of, whether it's Uber. Have you taken an Uber recently? Yes. Right? International Rescue Committee, Ukraine, right? So we're integrating philanthropy in all these different ways and becoming part of daily life. And I think that's what social giving is, right? How social networks are leveraging philanthropy to make donations in channel and how do nonprofits engage with those people? Even just the other day at Walgreens, they were like, do you want to round up? And I'm like, well, uh, sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Like you can donate my money to someone who needs it. That's that's great. And it makes reconciliation of the checking account just that much easier not to have a bunch sure. of really strange little pennies in there. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely on on the increase. I know that people are using social giving more and more. I'm wondering, like with the data that and the the in the organizations that you have access to, do you know are are people now using this kind of as a fundraising cornerstone for their organizations, or is it kind of like a supplemental ongoing thing? Like, what role is it playing for nonprofits right now? I think every role. Uh, so I can speak to stop sort of suicide as I'm a founder. So we went from generating a couple hundred thousand dollars in 2018 to over 10 million dollars last year, all through Facebook. Wow. And so an opportunity to meet new people. It's a cornerstone of what we do. Um, it is a very much, you know, I think there's two models creating, but the Facebook is a B2C. So it's a nonprofit to consumer. Mm-hmm. And what it enabled us to do was skip the heavy infrastructure costs of fundraising. As you know, and your listeners know, nothing's free, right? I couldn't believe they have to pay police officers to show up at your 5K race. Then you have the orange slices and all the stuff that goes with it. It's very difficult and very time intensive and very costly to raise money. What's really neat about a virtual world is that you can flip that whole model on its head in that nonprofits are now enabled to go directly to the consumer without the heavy infrastructure to get them to give. And that's what non what Stop Sort of Suicide and other nonprofits have found. It's a very cost-effective way to build community that raises money for you. So we mentioned that you can do it like on Spotify, right? And that it's on Facebook for sure. You see that. And even now, like one idea that I would love to see people incorporate is just using something you might already have, like an email to remind your donors that as their birthday comes up, they can create a campaign where people can donate on your on their birthday to your organization that would be something that would be so easy to integrate but like also like what about gofundme and other places like that do you consider that social giving or is that just like online uh like capital building no one's asked me that question um i think it's a good one so i I view gofundme more as a transactional Mm -hmm. uh maybe a diy type of fundraising uh, where someone can start, but not generally, it's generally not the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. The user coming in for a broken arm, whatever it might be for their own cause. Um, so we don't, you know, I haven't done a lot of research into the GoFundMe's in the world. I know with their acquisition of Classy that they're doing some interesting things. Mm-hmm. And I think they're definitely someone to look out for. But the challenge set with a GoFundMe, at least as I understand it, is difficult to build equity and repeatability and predictability. Mm-hmm. So as such, right, you can have a successful GoFundMe campaign, but now what? Mm-hmm. 
as we think about social networks and social fundraising, when someone makes a gift, they're not part of my community. I have the opportunity to cultivate and get that next gift and really start to build equity into a system. So maybe equity is the way to look at it. Where can I build or where can I transact? Well, and back to what you said earlier, the beautiful thing about social giving is you're meeting people where they are. And when you're going out to a system like GoFundMe, you're asking people to go to a system where they're probably not already. Like I don't usually go out to GoFundMe and think, well, where am I going to give my money today? Like I need to have someone tell me to go there. So that is probably the major like divider in between the types of systems that would be considered social giving or just online, you know, fundraising. Yeah, that's spot on, Monica. That's absolutely right. So are there benefits to using like one platform or another uh, or like where do you suggest people start? Facebook. (laughs) So Facebook is growing. Facebook is 99% of the business case right now. I think the other networks are coming online trying to replicate what Facebook has proven out that philanthropy is a, let's be honest, right? Philanthropy is a lever for their business value while also doing an incredible amount of good. Uh, Facebook is the place to start. I encourage every nonprofit to register for Facebook's donation tools. Mm-hmm. People will be able to start birthdays for you, make a donation. Uh, that is definitely the place to start. Um, that being said, we're very bullish on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a different animal entirely, uh, but the opportunity to tell stories and get people engaged in that platform is pretty powerful. But I would encourage everyone to get into Facebook to register for donation tools and also start to use some of the functionality they built around groups. Groups, uh, they've deprioritized pages uh, in favor of groups. And in a group, you can have the most impactful uh, community building organizations. People are going to see the messages that you have. Uh, It's an incredible tool for nonprofits, whether it's creating a group around recurring donations, right? Inviting to the group or a special group if you donate X amount. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting strategies to do cultivation at scale, uh, leveraging some of the tools that they built. Do you know if they have anything on LinkedIn that would allow people to do social giving? So not yet. Um, We are trying to have conversations with the LinkedIn team. Um, LinkedIn posted uh, a month ago that they're having some nonprofit functionality come out. But in regards, again, speaking for Stop Solar Suicide, uh, LinkedIn is the greatest targeting tool I've seen, right? And from the military, if I could go back to 2007 and have LinkedIn-style targeting, you know, it would be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So if we think about high net worth gifts and corporations, leveraging Sales Navigator and LinkedIn, there's no better way to identify an example for stop source suicide. Within 15 seconds, I can look up former Marines that are in air defense business with the VP title under 5,000 employees with Y amount of revenue. It'll populate a list. I can reach out and start to cultivate those people. I think LinkedIn is an absolute, uh, it doesn't have the functionality given platform, but as far as I know, it's the best way to identify people that could resonate with your cause. Now, do you have to use like an external service to be able to generate a list like that? Or is that something that you can do natively in LinkedIn? So if you think of LinkedIn, what you see is a platform that's aggregating data, uh-huh. right? The free platform behind the scenes, there's an overlay called Sales Navigator. Okay. And in Sales Navigator, I believe that there's 25 to 30 different filters that you can be able to comb through all of the data that is input into LinkedIn. So I can create a list with those filters of geography, of former companies, size of companies, title, function, 
revenue of company. And what that allows you to do is create some really tight targeting circles. And again, from a stop source suicide point of view, I'm going to have a relationship with an Army veteran much different than a Navy veteran. Mm-hmm. That Army veteran, are they in a tech company or are they in, in you know, uh, you know, biopharma, mm-hmm. right? What position at that tech company, right? So that allows us to really get honed in on where do you find fit and who resonates with your mission. And that's all just part of like the native system. You don't have to pay extra to use that, the sales you have navigator? To pay extra for sales navigator, okay. yes. Uh, but it is it is absolutely worth it. Um, I've, I don't know, I haven't asked deliberately, but I've yet to have any nonprofit tell me that they've done sales navigator, stops or suicide is. And again, it's, it's the best tool that I've seen uh, from business development point of view to understand who could potentially need what you have. Yeah, they do have some amazing sorting features. One year, we were looking at our campaign data from our local year-end giving campaign. It's called Como Gives. It's uh, powered by the Community Foundation, and my company, Maycreate, does the marketing for it and the reporting. And so last year, we raised $1.8 million um, between all of our nonprofits. That was pretty amazing. But we found a few years ago that our best donors were coming from LinkedIn posts. And we were like, well, we should focus more energy on LinkedIn. And so the next year we focused more energy on LinkedIn and no one made a donation at all from clicking on a LinkedIn post. And I was like, what just happened? (laughs) It was such a bummer. So almost all of our donations actually come from, if if it's from social media, they're coming in from Facebook, which just goes right back to what you said earlier. Facebook is a great place to start. Yeah, I think Facebook is about five years ahead of the rest of the market, but the the market's catching up. So TikTok has integrated philanthropy. I think right now it's a very selective audience that they're bringing in. Uh, but again, right, it, philanthropy is an incredible lever and aligns perfectly with their business value. Now, as people get started in social giving, it, it'll probably be, you know, you grow as you grow into it. But as it gets bigger, a bigger part of their fundraising then they're probably going to want to use some tools to stay organized and have better insights and get the donor data to use. And I think that you're providing a solution for that kind of thing. So tell us about Good United. Yeah, absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Good United, um, we solve a lot of the problems around data, what's happening in the social network and social giving. Uh, but more importantly to us, right, in order to democratize this nonprofit support experience, the mechanism we do that is through conversational messaging. And so the opportunity, right, friction is a bad word at Good United. We try to attack friction in the user journey at every step we can. So the most frictionless experience is to cultivate people in channel. And so we do that by the messaging of Messenger, WhatsApp, right, and Instagram messaging. So when we follow up and if you make a gift in platform, how can we then turn you in a subscriber and then we empower nonprofits with the human judgment and technology to say, okay, well, I know that Monica does want to go down this path. And because it's messaging, while email might have a long revolution, these are rapid revolutions where you and I are having a conversation. And that's how I believe we're going to get to our mission of democratizing the sport experience. What's amazing about cultivating people in channel is we can have them start a fundraiser with one click, a donation with one click. Uh, but the challenge, it's a double-edged sword, in that because these new messaging channels are owned, for example, from Messenger, it's owned by Meta. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you have crystal clear opportunity to communicate mm-hmm. with a 99% open rate, 45% click-through rate. 
incredible. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, they read what you send them (laughs) and the bar is very high. So doing it at scale requires a lot of technology to create that meaningful experience. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you'll spam them. And because Facebook has no incentive or any social network to have a spammy channel, they will punish you. Yeah. (laughs) When you get the weird like reply back, you're like, this is a, this is not a real human. This is a bot. Like, should I even stick around? Maybe not. Um, so I love what you said, frictionless. I, I think that in the web universe, which we build websites, I think of it like how many clicks does somebody have to get someplace? And it is, it, it has, there is less friction if I email you with a link in it to get someplace than if I right. send you a postcard and ask you to take a picture of this QR code or type in this domain to get someplace. So what you're right. saying is you guys are making it to a more seamless experience for people back and forth. Less clicks in my universe, I guess. <laughs> Less clicks. We've uh, built some technology off of the API with Facebook that um, it's actually, it's too efficient, but literally one click, you'll start a fundraiser. And so I was trying to demo this for one of our new partners and I didn't know I started a fundraiser and I did. And because the algorithm takes over, I raised $300 and I had no idea. Uh, and then my friend asked me, well, why don't you say thank you? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And lo and behold, I started a fundraiser. Well, that's impressive. I also find like if you are in Facebook often, then they do make these small changes all the time. And so if you're in it often, you probably might not notice these changes. You just kind of evolve with the system. But if you're not in the system often, then using a service like Good United might remove some of that weirdness that you feel to get in and, and refigure things out because you guys have probably put together a user interface that's maybe a little bit more intuitive than Facebook because I'm that's, telling you, most of their user interfaces are not super intuitive. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've actually, uh, we're the first social good partner for Meta. Mm-hmm. So what's really neat is that we get to talk with their engineers and co-create a lot of the things that are happening. There's this new feature set, especially for nonprofits coming out from a, it's a nonprofit hub. Mm-hmm. And what's really neat about that is they're taking some of the features that are disparate and currently in, in strange places, putting it in one spot. But most importantly is that the work that we've done with messaging is now being prioritized. And so the opportunity for donors to their experience to opt in the messenger, that's how our clients are building equity into this new channel. And that it's great to receive birthday revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Speak for stop sort of suicide. There's nothing greater than receive $30,000 seemingly for free. Yeah. What's frustrating is I have no idea how to make more. I have no idea how to control it. Mm-hmm. So how do we go from a reactive environment of free money to say, okay, now we're starting to build an equity into the system. We have 40,000 subscribers, 150,000 subscribers. And through Good United, we can send the right message to the right person at the right time to drive that next action. And that's how we can make us harness this new channel to drive revenue into the future and continue to build. One of the challenges I've heard nonprofits say is that when people make donations on Facebook, they don't always know who that donor was. And so it kind of, it doesn't allow you to start a new relationship. It just allows you to intake money. Do you guys help them get that information or is it still going to float in the cyber universe? So we help them get the information where we can thank every single donor, right? Every single fundraiser that makes a transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unlike the website, someone has to opt in rather than opt out. Okay. And so that creates an opportunity where we get people to opt in the messenger and we can collect all the data possible. Uh, but through our system, we're allowed to say who these people are. Uh, but 
you, know, you don't get the emails like you would generally. And what we found is when we first started this, people came for the email addresses and they stayed for Messenger. Mm-hmm. And that continues to be true with all of our clients. Do you guys have email like integrated with your system or is this just strictly Messenger and part of a social platform? It feels like there's so many systems that integrate email and I'm never sure if it should be integrated or not. <laughs> yeah, one of our versions is do less better. Um, so we are solely focused on in-channel communication. Okay. Uh, one of the exports from our system is emails. So a lot of our clients put those people into their traditional journeys, which I think is great mm-hmm. uh, because we want to tell the right stories. But what we found is attacking friction in order to attack friction, as soon as you take someone out, you, you lose a lot, as you know, mm-hmm. right? And so how do we keep people in this system and start to build the tools to message you where you are? Does your system integrate with others? Like say you do get somebody's email address, will it automatically push it into MailChimp or is that something that has to be manually reconciled? We have an open API that mm-hmm. we can integrate with. Right now, generally what we see is with Blackboard and Salesforce. Okay. Uh, we have those integrations. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the one area here, Monica, is I don't have all the answers. We're learning. Mm-hmm. We have a cult of innovation, but this is just an exploding market where there's all sorts of new and neat possibilities. And so one of the things to crack is what do you do with these email addresses when you have them? Uh, because they're new. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just it's just a whole world of learning right now to unlock this this new channel. Okay, so my last question for you, which I yeah. always, so we build websites, right? You were a part of the military and then you started a nonprofit and you ran that. And then you were like, I'm going to have a tech startup. And an idiot. My whole brain just went like, whoa, how, like, I just would love (laughs) love to hear like, how on earth did you like manage that jump? Because it doesn't sound like you're the dude back there, like doing the keystroke, you know, like you're the ideas person. Um, How did that go? I, I have a, if anything in my life, the one constant thread, at least my wife says, is I just run to things that piss me off and try to solve them. So I was a senior in high school during 9-11. I was a, went to Langley High School a mile away from the CIA. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the military, but uh, that really cemented what I want to do with my 20s. Mm-hmm. So I commissioned. I, I, you know, I had the fortune to serve with incredible human beings. But after my first 15-month deployment where we fought every day in the border of Pakistan, all 120 of our guys made it out. And one of my soldiers took his life two weeks later. And so if I dedicated my 20s to closing with and destroying the guys I brought down the Twin Towers, it really set me off when I learned that we've lost more service men and women to suicide than the enemy. So the next thing that I wanted to get into was try to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, being an absolute moron, I said, how do I do this? And with two other guys, Brian Kinsella, Craig Goodelli, we started a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. No one's ever accused me of being a nonprofit person. Like, hey, you're going <laughs> to like this warm, fuzzy guy. You're going to hand out soup, you know, and all this. And saying, I'm here for the problem, and I want to reduce veteran suicide and national average. But in doing that, as many of your listeners know, starting a nonprofit is brutal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, some, it's, it's challenged me in ways I never thought I'd ever be challenged. And I'll never forget selling my soul to do a wine tasting event outside of Washington, D.C. <laughs> my family, everyone we know, we try to get people to show up. We made 40K. It cost 20. My dad came up to me and said, whatever this thing costs, I'll write you a check. The next thing is one of my soldiers sending me a note and saying, hey, sir, did you get my $50 gift? I said, I don't know. He said, well, I don't need a thank you, but just want to let you know. And that set me off on the next quest of right now, and most organizations can only build relationships with the wealthiest people. Mm -hmm. 
why does my soldier not deserve a meaningful experience? So how do we leverage technology to build that? So it's just like this Russian stacking dolls of problems that make me angry. And I hear (laughs) it. And then like, you're like, did you find a programmer or like, how did that go? Like, how did, like. My, the gentleman I founded Good United with, Jeremy Berman, he's absolutely brilliant. So he puts up with my nonsense. Um, He can, he can do everything. But we built a team of, uh, I think we're at 62 employees in Charleston, South Carolina. And, you know, we've been, you know, we've had, we, it's been a really hard road, uh, mm-hmm. but the mission for us is everything, right? My mm-hmm. goal, my daughter's eight, she's into unicorns right now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, she couldn't donate to the unicorns. So she saw the polar bear commercial for World Wildlife uh-huh. and we made a donation. My goal is for empower World Wildlife to send, make, give her a meaningful experience in channel, regardless of how much she's worth right now, it's nothing, mm-hmm. right? But we can do that through technology, no matter how much you're worth, we can build the technology to make it reasonable and cost efficient for a nonprofit to ask the questions what matter to the donors. And in doing that, change the entire thing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that story. I just, yeah. I'm like, I'm inspired that you are like, this is a problem. I should solve it. Um, that's awesome. So thank you so much for your time today. If people want to ask you questions about Good United or any of the things that we talked about, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or you know, send me an email, uh, nick at goodunited.io. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening today. Thank you. So thank you so much for your time today. Once again, my name is Monica Pitts and you're listening to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. Now, before I let you go, I just want to remind you about that little favor I asked you about in the beginning. Will you please review this podcast wherever you're listening? It will help us show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that this podcast will help them solve. So if you're a fan and you haven't reviewed the podcast, please leave me a review. That would be so awesome. I would love to hear your feedback. And if this was your first time, I mean, double welcome. And I hope you learned a thing or two. So leave a review so we can connect with even more awesome nonprofits just like you and help them on their journey to less stressful and more successful marketing. Thanks again for your time today. Now, until next time, go forth and market with purpose. (laughs) 